Hola, everybody. Welcome to the Unicorn Millionaire Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Stover. I'm a non-binary Latinx money coach helping my first-gen clients become millionaires. I'm a formerly undocumented Mexican-American and currently digital nomad traveling all over the world. And I'm super excited to have you here along with me on my journey. I talk about personal finance, money mindset, working, unicorns, rainbows, you name it. We're here, we're queer, and we are going to build wealth for ourselves and our communities. So today I wanted to talk about how millionaires invest. I was talking to my business coach, Kat Del Carmen, about misconceptions there are in our community about investing and I realized that it's easier for people to say that they want to retire early versus becoming millionaires and I realized that it's because the term millionaire is emotionally charged for a lot of people it has a very negative connotation basically because of what we've seen represented in the media of rich white men who don't have community who are like fucking up the planet basically and so a lot of people that I work with when I when I ask them if they can envision their millionaire selves they don't really know what that even looks like because no one has really ever asked them (laughs) that before and they get really scared thinking about it and I'm the first person that asked them this in a positive way and I love getting my clients to start thinking about who your millionaire self will look like For me, it's a no-brainer that in this economy, you're going to need to be a millionaire at least if you want to retire early. If you want to retire by your 40s, you're going to need more money. You're going to need probably two, two and a half million. I just did a survey in my stories uh, asking you, how much do you honestly think you need to retire early? And I realized that saying that you should be a millionaire is not a stretch, even though it sounds like it for a lot of people. Both people responded to my stories back to back without, uh, probably without talking to each other because it's anonymous. And both the people said that you need two and a half million dollars to retire early. And this is in the US too. Um, yeah, with the cost of living, cost of existing, cost of inflation, el precio del huevo subiendo, all of these different factors, a million dollars does not get you as far as it did 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Right now, the inflation rate is about 6.4%. Um, I just Googled that shit yesterday because you can Google all of these things that that I'm telling you. But I do this to stay on top of the inflation rate, not in the, in terms of, oh no, is this scary and scarcity, but just to be informed and see money as an objective thing and see it as, okay, this is the rate at which your cash is losing value. And this rate changes about every month or so. Having a high yield savings account is important for your emergency fund, but your cash is still losing value. Of course, it's not losing as much in a high yield savings account, versus in a normal savings account, but it's still losing value over time, which is all about why I'm passionate about teaching you investing. And I teach investing through mindset work and also through transparency. So I wanna share with you lessons on how millionaires have invested. 
during my time as a stockbroker. I worked as a stockbroker for about a year and a half at a call center in Indiana. I was trained to get my licenses and I understood how the stock market worked and different regulations, all of these things. And I want to share with you different patterns that I learned that I've internalized after being exposed to thousands of people's accounts and realizing how many casual millionaires there are in the US. And I'm going to share these lessons with you. So the number one lesson is that millionaires that would call us, they just ask for help. Even just like people are doing their thing, living in the suburbs in fucking Wisconsin, they knew that they could just call the brokerage firm, and whether it's Charles Schwab or Fidelity or Vanguard, they knew that if they had questions, they could just call. As a stockbroker, I had to help people, whether they had investing accounts with us or not. And people would call us and ask us things. They'd ask me like, how's the stock market doing? I was just a glorified Googler for people. I was getting paid to just Google shit for people. So people would call at all hours of the day, even when the stock market wasn't open, because the stock market is open from 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern time. They would call us and be like, what's the pre-market doing? What's the news? How is the news and interest rates and the government? How is that going to affect the stocks in my retirement account. Yes, that is my kitty. That is meowing in the background. We just played. <laughs> She's trying to crawl on my screen. <laughs> Let me see if she wants to sit on my lap. You want to sit here? <laughs> so funny. <laughs> She's all about hunting the geckos. She's like watching all the birds and stuff. <laughs> She's like going crazy watching the birds. <laughs> Pero bueno. So yeah. Millionaires know how to ask for help. If they have a question, they don't worry about wasting our time. Like they're like, no, I'm going to call a broker. I'm going to talk to a broker. Even something as simple as what's the news. I would literally pull up articles and read them to people so that they were aware of the news. Like, oh, the Federal Reserve, a bunch of rich white men are about to meet and dictate the interest rates. I would tell them these things and then that would inform them on their next moves. But they were always asking questions. If they were confused about something, no matter how much money they had, they still knew to ask for help. Another thing that they would do is that they would roll over millions of dollars because of customer service. If they had money at one brokerage firm that they weren't happy with, they would just call us and roll that shit over and they'd be like, I'm not happy with the customer service at Fidelity or Vanguard, I wanna roll that shit over and have that with you because I hear you have better customer service. Customer service is super important for these millionaires. It wasn't even about making their money grow. It was just about the customer service experience because when you have more money and you're an informed consumer, customer service is something that's more and more important to you because they knew that they're gonna be calling us and they might as well be talking to people who were nice and accommodating and informative if they were going to keep their millions of dollars at a, a brokerage firm. There was also an entire team of stockbrokers, of financial advisors dedicated to the high net worth clients. My job as a stockbroker was to, if I was talking to somebody who was thinking about rolling over 2.3 million or 5.7 million, huge numbers 
which to me at first was like, what? How do people have all of this freaking money? And I, then I got used to it because it's just money, but it's more of it. <laughs> and after a while, you just get used to the massive amounts of investing. And so that was really important for me to just objectify money and not see it as, oh, these people are better or worse. They just have more money. And a lot of these people have inherited a lot of money. They're recipients of generational wealth or they're starting generational wealth. And mind you, generational wealth means giving, passing off money, but it also means passing off knowledge too. It means passing off what type of investment accounts and why you're giving to somebody like a grandchild or a niece or a nephew and having them understand how to manage that money before you even pass away so that your loved ones know exactly what to do with it. So, so yeah, generational wealth is all about passing off knowledge of investing too, because if you don't understand how it works, it's going to be harder for you to keep the ball rolling and, and have your money grow itself. And if they didn't understand something, that's when they would call us and ask for help for free. <laughs> so yeah, there was a whole team dedicated to, I would transfer them. I'd connect them to our high investment client like uh, team. And I'd just call my colleagues and be like, Hey, we have somebody who's interested in rolling over millions of dollars. And then I'd connect them and they would take initiative to reach out to these millionaires and be proactive uh, and call them and say, Hey, I hear you're interested in bringing in $5.4 million. How can I help you? What kind of investment vehicles uh, can I help you with too? Because they also would get paid on commission as well, but it wasn't even that salesy. It was literally like, you're welcome here. We have good customer service. I hear you have shit tons of money. How can I help you do that? And so that's how we had a high, high conversion rate of people bringing their funds over to, to us in massive amounts. I think the highest amount that I saw that I helped bring in was like $10 million or something wild like that. Um, so another lesson that I think I've talked about already, but I'll say it again, is that they're objective about their money. <laughs> As somebody who grew up in scarcity mindset, first gen, immigrants, formerly undocumented, I had a whole set of limiting beliefs and fearful emotions around money. But I got used to talking about money and massive amounts of money objectively after being on the phone with all these millionaires who they were also just used to having this money that they either inherited or they created for themselves or both too. It doesn't have to be either or. And I just learned that, oh, you can be objective about your money as long as you understand how it works. Because when you're objective about your money, you're wasting less time. You're wasting less time if you have an inheritance you're wasting less time stalling for months or even years feeling guilty about your money and attaching emotional value and making it personal about you when if you're waiting months or years you're losing time to the stock market and time is money if you're waiting until the end of the year to invest you're missing out every year on quarterly dividends every quarter your investments can pay out and if so if you're waiting you're missing out on that you're also just missing out on the growth. If the stock market is down, you're missing out on the chance that stocks are cheaper than they have been or would be, and you're missing out on all forms of growth. 
So millionaires have a bunch of money and they're a lot more objective than I was about their money and making it grow too. So they waste less time when you're objective about your money, you waste less time and you just let that shit sit there to grow. Hey, <laughs> and while you're letting it grow, you're able to capitalize on low stock markets, uh, capitalize on stock market fluctuations. And in the meantime, while you're being objective about it and letting it grow, you can think about what you want to do with that money. You don't, your, your money goals are allowed to change. You can invest and then realize when an expense comes up that, oh, this is what this expense is for. Let me sell my stock. So millionaires weren't wasting time being like, oh, is it the right time to, to invest? How much should I invest? I'm a bad person because these funds aren't socially conscious. And I have a whole lot of thoughts about being a socially conscious investor that uh, I did in one of my IG lives. Um, for me, in my opinion, you should stop worrying about if a fund or an investment is socially conscious because at the end of the day, when you're investing in these publicly traded companies, they've all had to rely on some level of exploitation in the first place. There's a lot of socially conscious funds that are greenwashed anyway, that are just investing in the same big tech corporations like Google and Amazon and Facebook and all of those companies. And these funds are just more expensive because they have a label of socially conscious on them. Um, so if you work with me, I'll show you how to really dig deep and see exactly what the fuck any of the funds that you're interested in, what they're actually investing. One of my clients, Lulu, I told her this and she still did her research because I showed her how and she's like, dang, Charlie, you're right. These socially conscious funds, it's a scam. Like they're still investing in, in these big tech companies anyway. But she realized that, okay, this is what we have to do. The stock market is a scam. We're going to play the game while we can, but then eventually sell out of all these corporations. And in the meantime, we can feel better about ourselves by investing in LGBT, BIPOC-owned businesses, friends and family, those local businesses that are not nearly as exploitative and don't have shareholders and don't borrow millions or billions of dollars of money and just invest in our communities in, in that way. We are the socially conscious funds. So that viewpoint also helps me be more objective about investing and not seeing it as, oh, I'm an evil person or um, taking this personally and hesitating and wasting time that your money could be using to grow instead. Another thing that millionaires do is that they buy stocks during downturns. The stock market's been down for a little over a year now. I was just checking one of my investments to see if it's gone up in a year and a year ago, it was worth more. So if you felt the FOMO during COVID of the stock market crash and we're like, oh, I wish I'd bought during the dip. The dip is dipping. The dip is still here. The dip has been dipping for over a year. We're here with queer. I'm just like on fire, rhyming. <laughs> but that's what millionaires would do. They'd have some cash on the side, not for an, an emergency fund. They would have cash on the side in addition to their emergency fund 
so that they could take advantage of stock market dips. It was just absolutely clear when COVID was hitting, when I was working as a stockbroker, who understood how the stock market functioned and who didn't. There were hella people losing their shit the first two weeks of March who were selling their stocks because they were panicking because the stock market was tanking. It was crashing at such a level that the federal government had to step in and like pause the stock market uh, for like 15 minutes at a time, <laughs> which I had never seen that shit before. That was wild because all these people were letting their emotions get to them. The people who didn't understand that stock market crashes are cyclical and they have always happened and they will continue to happen because it's, it's engineered to happen like this. The stock market was created by rich white slave owners, by landowners who wanted to gatekeep their money. And so they designed it this way. So this is how it's going to continue to function and operate. So the millionaires who understood what was going on, they were thrilled. I wasn't even a millionaire at the time when I was excited. My colleagues and I were excited that after 10 years of a pop in stock market, it's called a bull market. Stocks were finally going down. I was making 45K at the time and I was psyched that the stock market was dipping, which shows you how important it is to just understand how the shit works and how important mindset is versus the amount of money that you have. So while all these people were like losing their shit and selling tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars of money, and they were losing because they would rather just like lose out than, than risk it and continue losing more. And then there were the people like me. Then there were the millionaires that were buying, buying, buying because stocks were cheaper than they had been in years. And these millionaires would call and they'd be objective about it. And they were like, I want to buy a million dollars of Apple stock right now. It was wild how objective they were about it because they were aware of the, the fact that this, the stock market is cyclical and they're like, all right, now's the downturn. It's time to buy because capitalism is going to keep capitalisming and these stocks are going to go up eventually. And then when they're up, I can sell, which is what I've done too. When the stock market's up, I've sold thousands of dollars of stock to pay for expenses that I have. So that's how important it is to just be objective about the stock market and ignore the noise um, and all that and to take advantage of downturns, which this downturn is prolonged. Um, another thing that millionaires do is that they sell stock to pay for their expenses. Millionaires who are not of retirement age, they know not to touch their 401ks, not to touch their IRAs, or Roth IRAs. Retirement accounts are meant for retirement and millionaires know that they want to keep their money in their retirement accounts as long as possible. They're not waiting until they're 59 and a half, which is when you can start uh, withdrawing your funds. They're waiting until as late as possible, probably 60s, 70s, their 80s to take money out because they know the importance of how retirement accounts can let your money grow at a tax advantaged way. So what I mean by selling stock to pay for your expenses, millionaires use brokerage accounts to, to invest. Uh, 
and brokerage accounts don't have income limits. Brokerage accounts, uh, yeah, they don't have income limits like certain retirement accounts have caps. In your 401k this year, the max you can contribute is 22,500. In a Roth IRA, if you're under 50, the max is 6,500. If you're over 50, the max is 7,500. But brokerage accounts don't have um, these maxes. Roth IRAs also have income limits too. So if you make like more than 150K or whether you're filing single or married, look up these, these limits. You can't invest in a Roth IRA versus a brokerage account. There's no limits. Mean Girls, the limit does not exist. <laughs> so millionaires max out their retirement accounts and they use the brokerage accounts as a supplement, as an additional investment vehicle in which their money has the potential to grow at a faster rate than in a savings account where your money is losing value to inflation. So millionaires would call us in case they're, they're looking to buy a home and put a down payment on a home. Having cash allows you to, to buy homes more easily. I don't know if you've watched, uh, what's it called? Selling Sunset when the, the brokers are like telling Jason, like, yeah, this millionaire is ready to buy this house in cash. Like having cash is a big fucking deal. But these millionaires, they don't just have like $50 million or maybe they do, but the smart ones, they have some of that in cash. But if the stock market's popping, like it was in the, the second half of 2020, most of 2021, what I hear when they say, oh, this millionaire has the money in cash, what I'm hearing is, oh, these millionaires have had their money growing. <laughs> I'm recording this on an IG live, y'all. This is going to be a podcast episode, but this cat is, is catting and doing the whole self-cleaning thing on my lap. <laughs> I love you, Luna. Anyway. What that means for me is that, okay, these millionaires, they have brokerage accounts and they're selling millions of dollars in stock to put a down payment on a house. Boom, boom. Yes, of course, this is a taxable event, but these millionaires know, or they should know that if you leave your stocks to grow in a brokerage account for a year or more, you're going to be taxed more favorably than if you're just like buying stock and selling it because day trading, that involves a lot of taxes. So more taxes. So if you hold on to investments in a brokerage account for less than a year, you're gonna be taxed at a higher rate. And so all these millionaires, they have their tax planners, they have their financial planners, but they have these systems in place so that they can take advantage and sell that shit, convert that shit to cash and buy a $50 million home through their investments. So this, it, what, this is what it means and what it looks like to sell stock to pay for expenses. It's not like for an emergency. It's to buy houses and appreciating assets. They're using the brokerage accounts as an investment vehicle so that they can buy property, so they, they can buy different investments. I've sold $3,000 in stock in my brokerage account to pay for my business coach to invest in my own business, which is socially conscious. Um, and when I do intend to buy property, I definitely will be selling thousands of dollars or probably tens of thousands of dollars in my brokerage account in order to put that down payment on a house. But in the meantime, my investments are sitting there 
growing. I've held most of the stocks at this point in my brokerage account for for over a year now, especially since the market's down. And I haven't really been selling too much stock this year. I've just been paying myself through my business and paying for my investments that way. But that's what millionaires do. They have their investments. They're growing, growing, growing. They're being strategic about them. And they're selling their stocks to pay for expenses, like a down payment on a house. The last pattern that I noticed that I've internalized is that millionaires will label their accounts for different purposes. Millionaires, I would check their accounts and they'd have like 20 or more different accounts, which were also managed probably by, by financial advisors or a lot of people would self-manage because it's pretty easy to, to self-manage accounts. But, but the reason why some people would hire a financial advisor is probably because of a complex tax situation too and because they just don't want to deal with, with buying and selling stocks. When you have more money, the more money you have, the more you can just outsource tasks that you don't want to do to other people and pay them to do those things for you. So for example, Steve or Susan would call and they'd be like, I have a trust in my niece's name. And I would say, like, Deborah, I'm making all this up, of course. <laughs> they would have different trusts or different um, brokerage accounts set up for maybe their niece or nephews or daughters or son's like 18th birthday. They would be investing. Um, as soon as like a baby was born, they would open accounts for a child because they knew about the time value of money. And this is the urgency with which they would invest. And then they knew that the, once they die, like you're not going to take all your money with you when you die. So that's why they were strategic about using their wealth to help build their loved one's wealth too. And labeling accounts, instead of just having like 10 different brokerage accounts, labeling the accounts for a specific purpose or for a person or for a cause that you want to donate to, that helps keep you focused on why you're putting money into this brokerage account in the first place. In my brokerage account, uh, <laughs> I had it labeled as a doggy fund because I wanted to get a dog uh right now and i think i had also labeled it as a house fund for a down payment and now it's just the fuego fund it's my financial independence retire early fund because my goals change all the time but i'm just happy that i have my brokerage account in the first place because like for example this cat found me i wasn't looking to adopt a cat out here in thailand but this cat came up to me meowing and adopted me. And I was like, okay, this is going to be an expense that I was not preparing for, but this is why I'm investing in a brokerage account. So if I need to, I can sell some stock to pay for her vet bills and, and other expenses that, that come up. But I just like having labeled my account, my Fuego fund, because it just makes investing funner and investing is sexy investing is erotic like you're delaying gratification and building wealth over decades for things that are exciting for you but also for things that you won't even conceive are possible like this cat i had no idea i was going to be in my life and now i'm receiving the love from this cat but that's why we invest and and that's how like that's how me being a stockbroker I was able to learn about all these lessons about how millionaires invest, about being objective, about asking for help, uh, buying during the downturns in the stock market, 
it's always a good time to to invest in the stock market. I would never like wait to invest. I would just get started. And you can start with as little as a dollar if you want to get started investing. So I hope this has been really helpful for you to have that like insider chisme on, on how millionaires invest with my experience as a stockbroker. So if you want to work with me, I am taking clients for one-on-one -on -one coaching. We'll cover mindset, credit cards, get you that lounge access, bottomless mimosas. I will walk you through opening up all your investment accounts, whether it's Roth IRA, brokerage account, I will screen share with you and show you how I organize my investments and why I invest in what. And I'll share also some things I've learned that haven't helped me. Like I've also learned from my mistakes and I make mistakes. I've done the homework so that you don't have to. Um, so if you're interested in working one-on-one -on -one with me, book a call at the link in my bio. Let's get going because the time to start investing is now. And I can't wait to learn about you and your goals. It's not really about the amount of money you have. What matters is your goals and who you want your millionaire self to be, how you want to help others, um, how you want to build community. And money is power. Money is the easiest way to not only solve your problems, but help you go from survival mode to thriving mode. So hit me up. I'd love to meet you and work with you. All right. Have a great day, everybody. The information contained in the Unicorn Millionaire podcast is provided for general informational use only. Your purchase, download, and use of this material does not constitute a client relationship. The views expressed by the Unicorn Millionaire podcast hosts and guests are not intended to constitute accountant, legal, tax certified financial planner, stock advisor, or other professional advice. Users of this podcast material should not act upon this information. Users of this podcast material should do their own due diligence by independently verifying all information, products, and services mentioned with their own qualified professionals before making any decisions. We assume no responsibility for information contained in the Unicorn Millionaire podcast and disclaim all liability with respect to errors, inaccuracies, omissions, misleading, or defamatory statements. Users of this podcast accept and understand the terms of the disclaimer.